Hello and welcome on Primetime Watchmaking in the News and this is our 80th edition. I still can't believe this number myself but it would, uh, I would like to thank all of you for your support and uh, those who inspire us to provide you with the most important news from the industry and reviews on the latest watch releases. So today's edition will be full of insightful and for some uh, even crucial information as well as some uh, new detective stories and of course watches. So grab your favorite drink and let's go. So as always, before we begin, I would like to remind you that we published a dozen of great videos on the novelties revealed during the Geneva Watch Days, from uh, Ulysse Nardin's pushing the boundaries with a silicon main plate uh, for its uh, new blast-free wheel marquetry, to Ressens presenting a new version of the Type 3 coming in eucalyptus green, a piece I have the pleasure of wearing on my wrist as they very kindly lent it to me and I can just say that I totally got used to it and it will be difficult to hand it back but already a nice little perk for me and for those who want to know more about how it works well I invite you to check, uh, check out the video we did a little while back clever machinery in this one and it's always cool to witness the intrigued reaction of people when they see this watch for the first time. But we also talked about the very cool collaboration between H. Moser and MBNF for Watch, not their first collab, but they for sure pushed it a bit further with the super sweet Pandemonium Minute Repeater. We had a very interesting business talk with Vincent Perrier from HYT coming back on the redevelopment of the brand following its bankruptcy and what it takes to bring it back to life and regain the trust of collectors and the type of products they now need to focus on. Well, everything is available on our channel for those who haven't seen them. Plus, uh, we also have the unboxing of a special timepiece with the IN16 Nixie by Geltman. It's not your usual watch and more of a cool time-telling object. And it's not every day that you can actually wear a Nixie piece on your wrist. Well, highly recommended to check these videos for those who haven't seen them. Links below. So let's start with some proper business news. And I guess some of you are waiting for my opinion on the epic acquisition of Busher by Rolex that was announced a few weeks back. So one can argue that there were a few signs of something cooking. For instance, the CPO initiative created last December, which marked the pathway uh, that the crown was consolidating its after-sales market. So for me, there are a few reasons behind this big move. Uh, firstly, Rolex and Buescher go way back and Hans Wilsdorf, the brand's founder, and the Buescher family have been strong allies since a very long time. There was kind of a personal history between the two. Secondly, Buescher was owned and operated by Mr. Buescher himself and having no descendant and of a slight age, well, there were not that many options apart from being sold to guarantee its future. And this leads to the third point and not a negligible one, as I think that Rolex wanted to be sure that Buescher would remain in Swiss hands. Kind of a patriotic gesture. But then it comes uh, to some more rational business reasons and the Crown having announced already last year that it would decrease the numbers of retail partners and focus more on bigger flagship stores oriented options. Well, now the privately owned Swiss brand dominates the market by virtually every measure as Buescher was already the biggest Rolex retailer. So this is the, the first time a brand owns uh, the boutique that sells its competitors. And this, of course, represents access to some very interesting consumer data. So definitely a strategic power move and uh, one that shocked the retail and distributor business. As for instance, we witnessed that immediately after the announcements, the publicly uh, traded shares of Watches of Switzerland took a severe hit. However, the deal rumored to be uh, around 4 billion Swiss francs is yet to be approved by the Swiss regulator Comco, which should examine whether it creates or strengthens a dominant position 
that may eliminate effective competition. So we've been told that Rolex has not yet submitted documents to Comco, therefore the deadline for the examination, which may take up to five months, has uh, not yet been triggered, but who knows. So we still need to wait until 2024 for the official confirmation of the deal, but it will probably go through. And since we've been talking about Bisher, well, it's worth mentioning that Sotheby's teamed up with the retailer to open its first purpose-built ultra-luxury pop-up section within the Zurich uh, flagship store of Bisher at the Bahnhofstrasse 50. The Sotheby's Salon at uh, Bisher is uh, claimed to be an innovative retail concept showcasing many categories offered at Sotheby's, luxury watches included, of course. It is also conceived as a social destination for collectors to gather, learn and share their passions. And Zurich as an international luxury hub is the best location to test such a space. Situated on the newly added third floor of Bisher, the Salon is equipped with a custom-designed wine and spirits bar curated by Sotheby's global head of wine, Vanessa Conlin. So even if not, uh, if you don't go there for a purchase, I mean, the place is probably definitely worth visiting. So another big event we decided to include in the industry news section and not in the new watches, uh, because the outcome for the market will be much more interesting than the product itself. Okay, well, I'm talking about the new collaboration between Swatch and Blancpain, and the watch comes with five different color-coded uh, uh, options representing the five oceans, and is made from a patterton composite mixture of the castor-derived bioplastic and zirconium dioxide ceramic with a strap made of recycled fishing nets. So the bonus points uh, to both brands who managed to celebrate the 70th anniversary of the 50 Fathoms and the 14th anniversary of Swatch and the 10th anniversary of the Patterton System 51 movement uh, by releasing just one model. In fact, after the unprecedented success of the Moon Swatch, it was quite obvious that 50 Fathoms will be uh, next to go. And I remember hint hinting at this immediately after the release of the Moon Swatch. But I mentioned the 70th anniversary of the 50 Fathom, and one can easily grasp that they wanted to leverage as much as possible this launch by coming a few days after it with a special bronze version. This is the third watch marking the anniversary of the 50 Fathoms, and definitely has a very similar feel to the actual Swatch collaboration. But still talking about this collab, well, it's interesting to note that they integrated the automatic uh, System 51 movement, kind of upping up a little bit the game to match the higher positioning of Blancpain compared to Omega. And I know this is questionable, but uh, this resulted in a higher price point, of course. So all in all, people went, uh, again, quite crazy about this new piece and on its launch day. But it doesn't seem that the hype will be fully repeated compared to the Moon Swatch. Okay, we saw some, uh, some people selling them with a high uh, premium days after the launch. But today, you can already find many buying options with only 10-15% premium. Besides, it's a nice invitation for a younger generation to open the doors to the world of tool watches. But as you probably know, the System 51 cannot be serviced. And quality watchmaking is all about sustainability and is not made to fuel excessive consumerism. Well, we'll see. Well, next will be a package of news. And first is uh, the decision of US-based Hodinkee, the online watch retailer and media backed by uh, Bernard Arnault's LVMH Luxury Ventures, to cut almost 20% of its stuff. I mean, the reason is related to the slump of prices for pre-owned uh, timepieces and the loss-making uh, acquired watch dealer Crown & Caliber. So my guess is that uh, Rolex uh, certified pre-owned program has also played its role in this downfall, making it less appealing to buy its watches on a platform not listed as a CPO, as an official CPO. But Hodinkee for sure remains a rather big player nonetheless. I mean, probably the biggest one. 
Another watch-related and almost detective story might be reaching its close here in Switzerland. This time it goes back to more than 40 years and concerns John Lennon's long-lost Patek Philippe reference 2499 perpetual calendar chronograph. So this Patek was gifted to Lennon by his wife Yoko Ono for his 14th birthday, less than two months before his assassination in New York in 1980. So the watch bears a special engraving with a reference to a song that the couple composed together after a period of uh, separation, and I think you can imagine what song it could be. Well, this great watch was considered forever gone, but it appears that it was stolen by Ono's former driver and now is being the main object of a legal affair at the Geneva court. According to the court documents, uh, the watch was traced to, to Germany where it was bought by an Italian collector and he bought this uh, watch for 672,000 US dollar and lived happily with this fantastic timepiece until 2014 when he decided to check its provenance. He asked a company based in Geneva to do some uh, digging and it uh, reached out to Mrs. Ono to clarify the case. And this uh, legitimate request spurred a legal battle over the Patek's ownership. This June, Geneva court ruled in favor of uh, Mrs. Ono, affirming her as the rightful owner of the watch. But the other side made an appeal which was rejected in September. And according to the Swiss legislation, the Italian collector can now go for a Swiss federal court to seek justice. But I doubt the decision would be any different. Anyway, considering the provenance and the history of this watch, Lennon's Patek could naturally be worth a pretty hefty sum of money. But it just shows again that doing a proper due diligence before the purchase of any timepiece is absolutely necessary if you don't want to find yourself in such a position as the collector's one. Well, we'll keep you posted on the federal court's awaited decision. Okay, before talking about uh, some new watch uh, releases, I just wanted to take you along on a very cool trip I was kindly invited to by the Swiss sailing team participating at the Sail GP event in Taranto in the southern Italy. I guess some of you know that I like sailing, but it had been a little while I could take part in such an event. And what an event. So the Sail GP series was initiated four seasons ago by Oracle boss Larry Ellison, winner of the America's Cup. And the brief, if I can say so, was quite simple. Make sailing as exciting and entertaining as possible, uh, especially for TV audiences. And I can say that this has been firmly achieved. So to summarize things, the former has a little F1 feel to it, crazy performing boats going close to 100 kilometers per hour, short and intense races, 60 minutes max, the best sailors out there, teams defending their home country, making it easier to support your favorite team. And what's really interesting is that all the boats are strictly similar, meaning that it's only the crew and their experience which will make the difference, especially that all teams can access the data provided by SailGP to compare performances. Everything is fully transparent. And I could totally witness this as I got to see absolutely everything. Nothing was hidden as I was giving the grand tour of the backstage of this event. One can say that SailGP is the pinnacle of sailing races, besides the America's Cup itself, of course, and it is, it is no surprise that Rolex is one of the main sponsors of this series. They committed to a 10-year period and just proves again that when they do things, well, they, don't, they do it right, not halfway, a bit like when they entered Formula 1 and really maxed out on the exposure they would get from it.
So it was really great for me being able to follow these races, really spectacular, and the notion of time management is taken to its extreme as all maneuvers are planned, ex executed to the very second. And as I mentioned, I was invited by the Swiss team, it's their second season and they are still in the learning curve, as there is a big advantage for those who participated from the start four years ago. Their knowledge of the boat's performance and the team coordination are capital and this can only be gained from experience since every team has the exact amount of the same amount of time available for practice. Well, I was thrilled to see this uh, with my own eyes and who doesn't like to go to Italy, right? Okay, but let's now talk watches. Our last edition of Primetime was packed with industry news and due to the calmer uh, summer period, we mentioned only one timepiece. And today we have some uh, nice releases to share. Vacheron Constantin and its division, Les Cabinotiers, specializing in creating bespoke timepieces, announced the result of an exceptional collaboration with Rolls-Royce. In response to a request from a client who collects both luxury cars and uh, fine watches, yes, some have some very serious issues, both brands united to bring to life a truly unique Rolls-Royce Amethyst drop tail with armillary tourbillon timepiece designed to be displayed on the dashboard of the car. According to Vacheron's archive, it is not the first time that Le Cabinetier designed a clock for a car. However, the previous case dates back to 1928. This pièce unique uh, that is fully integrated into the car's panel can be removed from its housing if necessary. And the holder also allows the watch to be rotated uh, by 180 degrees for setting, winding and admiring uh, the reverse of uh, this uh, caliber. So the Cabinetier suggested to the client to equip this unique timepiece with a caliber 1990, which features retrograde hours and minutes indication with instant flyback. The power reserve of uh, this watch is 65 hours, but it was revamped with certain technical developments derived from the famous reference 57260, the most complicated timepiece in the world, presented by the Maison for its uh, 260th birthday in 2015. So it is worth noting that Vacheron Constantin is not the only brand that made a clock for Rolls-Royce this year. AP2 presented the concept Split Seconds Chronograph GMT Large Date, designed to be integrated into the panel of only four Rolls-Royces, La Rose Noire, the most expensive car in the world. So the only difference is that the AP Chronograph, you can also wear it as a wristwatch. So now let's move to a more democratic, still yet interesting timepiece. Oris introduced the Diver 65 chronograph inspired by its iconic Diver's watch from the 60s and the new model has a 40mm case and a refined monochromatic dial design. It comes uh, with the option of a black leather strap or a stainless steel metal strip bracelet and the base uh, design echoes Oris's first dive watch of 1965. However, the new model has a two-counter chronograph powered by an automatic mechanical movement Oris 771 with a 48 hour of power reserve. There's no date window, unlike on the original watch and Diver 65 from last year, and indices and hands are filled, obviously, with Superluminova. In my opinion, it is a nice and solid chronograph that you can wear on a daily basis and be sure that it is a timepiece of a quite exceptional quality for the money. And, I mean, it also looks good on a steel bracelet. Okay. And another nice example of a dress watch we would like to show you today is the Chapter 4.7 Onyx Tourbillon C Lemanic by Bayo. The model is sleek with a deep black onyx stone dial and the cutout dial showcases a tourbillon at 7 o'clock and part of the skeletonized hand-wound mechanical movement with 105 hours of power reserve was created by Olivier Moret. So the cool feature here is that there's a mirror film on the back of the dial which reflects the upper face of the movement seen clearly through the transparent case back. 
The case is made from stainless steel and is 40mm in diameter. It is water and shock resistant of course and there's a quite a nice uh, little price advantage for the first customers who are planning to pre-order this timepiece. Okay, and let's finish this prime time with a quick wrap-up of what to expect in terms of event in the coming weeks. And if you're in Mexico City or planning to go there, well, you will be, you will have to attend the CR, which will take place between October the 17th till the 19th. Always a great event with no less than 40 brands participating in a good atmosphere. Starting on the 18th and in Asia, well, you can attend the Singapore Watch Fair, which will take place until Saturday the 21st. This event has slightly changed format and will now take place on the Sentosa Island, as they really want to make it bigger and more special. I will be there for most of its duration and I'm quite happy to do so as autumn is gently arriving around here in Geneva with the weather changes that come along. And next event worth mention is Watch Time New York, which will occur between the 20th and the 22nd at the Gotham Hall. So he has quite a few options to see many pieces in the flesh around the world. So a big thank you for watching this edition of Prime Time. The very best to all and see you real soon with some other fresh news coming your way. Take care and, well, be watchmaking! There you go.